You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. Welcome to another episode of Us Unscripted Stories. My name is Alicia Sawyer, and I am a graduate assistant with Multicultural Student Affairs at Northwestern University. May is Asian Pacific Islander Desi American Heritage Month, and this month, Unscripted Stories is centering a of voices to honor the vibrancy, diversity, and resilience of the community, even as we grapple with the ongoing injustice in 2021. Every story is precious, and we're celebrating and uplifting the narrative of Northwestern's APEDA student community and the dynamic moments that have helped shape their identities and sense of self. We hope their stories can both inspire reflection and encourage you to honor your own narratives. So I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Mahi, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Mahi Kapalka. I am currently a third-year student, um, undergrad student at Northwestern University studying cognitive science and global health, um, and I identify as Desi American. Mahi participated in our storyteller workshop to help inspire students to tap into their own narratives and tell their own stories. So now I'm going to pass it off to Mahi, who has her own story to share with us. Thanks, Alicia. So growing up in a primarily white town, I had always felt a little bit othered because of the color of my dark brown skin, but it was never to the point where I was affected by it. But then one day, about four years ago now, uh, my family decided to go to our local Taco Bell to pick up dinner since we decided we didn't want to cook. My mom, my dad, my younger brother, and I loaded up into our car and drove to the local Taco Bell. And in typical fashion, just my dad, brother, and I went inside to order. As we were waiting in line, I was jokingly arguing with my dad that I can order for the whole family because whatever he orders, he somehow manages to mess it up. He poked back that I should have faith in him and that he's definitely got it this time. And so my dad walked up to the cashier and started to order. And during the order, the cashier mumbled to my dad whether we wanted extra tomatoes on my mom's quesadilla. Both my brother and I could barely understand the cashier's question, and my dad asked him to repeat himself once and then another time because he kept kind of mumbling it under his breath. The third time, my father understood, but before he could respond, an older white gentleman standing behind me interjects and loudly turns to my dad and states, hey, if you can't speak the language, then maybe you should go back to your own country. I froze and my skin almost tingled because I was so enraged, but my dad gave both my brother and I the look that told us we better just stay quiet right now. My dad turned around and slowly responded to the man. I just couldn't hear him. I speak the language perfectly fine and I'm trying to order right now, so excuse me. It was taking everything in me not to turn around and say all the things running through my mind. How dare you talk to my father like that? He's one of the most educated and intelligent people I know. I was angry and hurt and sad, but my dad made it clear that we should order and pick up our food and move on. We went back into the car and I was almost tearing up as I told my mom what had happened and the fact that no one around us had said anything to help either. My mom responded by saying, what else should we have expected now that the 2016 Trump administration has taken power? It opened up a conversation for my family. My brother and I realized that although we felt othered because of the color of our brown skin, my parents have faced a whole other set of challenges as well because they're Indian immigrants with slight accents. 
not only have they dealt with the colorism that plagues this country, but have also been often treated as inferior because of their un-American accents or small English grammatical errors. My brother and I were able to reshape our own understanding of their experiences. I also realized that day that it hurt so much more to be powerless and see someone you love treated that way. I think if that man had said what he did to me, I might have been less affected by it. And I guess more than anything else, I realized that this story isn't just my own. So many people with immigrant parents and families have experienced a sort of horrific experience. And I think that that's why it's so important to share these types of stories. Thank you for sharing that with us, Mahi. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure this was really frustrating for you um, to experience this with your, with your father. Mm-hmm. So how did it feel for you to revisit this experience in your life? Um, I think when we were actually going through that um, storytelling workshop and that like when I came up with this story to tell, um, those feelings of like anger almost came back. And I know looking back, it was for my father, the right thing was to have his kids kind of stay quiet. He knew how to handle it. Um, But in that moment, there is still like like an anger in me that comes up even thinking about it now, wishing that I could have done something um, for, to just kind of stand up for my dad in that moment. Mm-hmm. And do you think any sort of healing has taken place in terms of, you know, you, so that was like how many years ago, five years ago. So for you, yeah. Do you yeah. think any sort of healing has taken place in your reaction to that event? Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think a lot of the healing came with um, the fact that this did open up that conversation with my family. Um, you know, we we had talked before about what it's like being, um, I guess, being perceived as Indian in the U.S., but we hadn't really talked about how our experiences, my brother and I's experiences growing up as Desi American kind of differ with my parents who moved here um, in their 20s back in the beginning of the 1990s. And that conversation and kind of understanding their experience has really helped with the healing for me. And I think also um, hearing that, um, that, you know, that this isn't what everyone experiences. I think in some ways there's a lot of other people who have experiences and that's horrible, but it's also very nice to know that things are changing and that this, this isn't how um, like my parents have always been treated or pe- other immigrants that kind of come into this country have been treated always. That has also helped with healing. But of course, with that comes the anger that there are so many people who have experienced things like this. So I guess those things can exist together and um, sometimes it hurts, but there is like a healing in that as well. And how do you think this experience has played a part in your connection to your APIDA identity? Um, I think it has shown me that um, there are many facets to being, I guess for me, in my case, being Desi and growing up in the U.S. or just being Desi and living in the U.S., there are things that I didn't even imagine affect um, be, being Desi and living in the U.S. Um, because of those things that don't affect me personally, like my ability to speak the language or my American accent. And so it's really like had reshaped the way that I kind of look at people with APIDA identities in general, and I guess any identity in general, just kind of like make sure that I'm taking into account the fact that even if I hold a Desi identity, that doesn't mean that I am affected in the same way that every 
other person who holds the Desi identity is. Um, and so it's definitely kind of like reshaped my understanding in that way. Yeah, I like how you named sort of that um, that aspect of privileges in in your identity as well. And that kind of leads me to my next question. And just in terms of like having so many different stories and the PETA community is so broad. Um, so why do you think it's so important for marginalized communities to tell their stories in their own voices? Um, I think that for so long, marginalized communities have been kind of quieted and not been able to share their own stories. And often there are many things that, like these experiences that occur, and it's almost just kind of like suppressed because there isn't a place to voice these stories and kind of talk about it. And there's a power in being able to talk about it with people from the APETA community. And like you said, Alicia, there's such a broad you know, range of um, experiences and groups and identities within APIDA itself that um, these stories can really kind of give more like humanity to these communities that like have so, so much, so much humanity in their communities. It kind of like um, places those voices and like gives those voices a place to like be heard. And I think that's really important just overall. That was my last question, but Thank you so much, Mahi, for sharing your time with us and sharing your story and being vulnerable. Um, it was really great to hear about this experience and your reflections on it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to us, Unscripted Stories. Stay tuned for more episodes in honor of APITA Heritage Month. Thank you for listening to us, Unscripted Stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Support for this podcast is provided by Joe Scaletti, Emma Salam, Saeed Resco, Sydney Hastings, and Jeanette Rojas. With support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from us.